much in love as a high price to pay. Some put on a suit, but he ran the other way. His drums drown out the others. Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by my co-host and star of this show, Will George. We're without our other co-star, Mark Wiley, today. But this is a day at the yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will, episode 182. We've got a repeat guest today. We're excited to have him back because the first time he was on, he was setting us for his new venture, and now he's five games into that venture, so we want to get caught up to date on that. But before we introduce Chris back to the show, I want to just give a message to our audience here. Um, as of today, 17,800 subscribers. We appreciate your support. Make sure you download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review. The rate and review is important because it, we battle the world of analytics and podcasting much like we do in baseball. If you can do that for us, we can keep providing you great content like Mark and Will do with this show. Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher is the way you can stream us. If you have a different mode, let me know, and I'll, I'll make sure we have that in our system. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Every day I answer Facebook questions back privately. I get one guest live on Facebook. Today we we talked about proven people wrong versus proven people right. But make sure you get to me on that. 72 countries now we're in. Grassroots baseball all the way to MLB front offices. And all we're trying to do is build a better baseball IQ out there. And just to kind of preset our audience, we, we've started doing this as of late because we're, we're getting deeper into the baseball world and the real world. But just as you listen to our show, prepare to embrace some of the uncomfortable truths about baseball because this show, like all of our shows, have no time for the comfortable lies that are out there circulating our game. So with that, I want to welcome back to our show the skipper for the Sussex County Miners, also handling baseball operations like much people, uh, much of the managers have to do at that level, independently baseball. Repeat guest for us, Chris Widger. Chris, welcome back to our show. Thanks for having me, Dave. Appreciate it. And, and Will, I'll let you kick off with Chris. I know long-standing relationship with Chris. You you have some commonalities with players that you you've recommended to the league, and let you yeah. get going with our our first questions here. Yeah, it was great to see you guys get off to a good start. And uh, you know, after being um, you know in A ball and Double A AA and Triple A over the last few years, just um, you know, we we've had the cutbacks in major league baseball and you know the just curious uh the talent level um you know I'm, I'm seeing a lot of guys cross back over from independent leagues that are prospects and guys who may have gotten let go early because of uh the cutbacks after the 2020 season um but you know just saw a pitcher yesterday was 94 95 with a pretty good slider who hadn't pitched for an organization since 2020. So just, you know, curious what you're seeing out there, Chris. Um, we kind of have the whole gamut here. Um, we have the guys that are fresh out of college, um, guys that, you know, with only 20 rounds, um, haven't had the opportunity to go play affiliated ball. So we have those guys that might've slipped through the cracks. We have guys that may have been hurt, um, trying to come back. We have guys that have just been released that are on this team. Um, and then we have uh, others in this league that uh, have been around for a while and and they're kind of uh, making a career out of it here. Um, so it's a little different than it used to be when it was the Can-Am and it was mostly all young guys and, you know, most of the veteran guys would go to the Atlantic League or American Association. It's kind of mix and match now. They're all just looking for a place to play and an opportunity to kind of show what they have and hopefully, you know, catch somebody's eye. How's the season started off so far, Chris? It started off uh, pretty well. Um, we're four and one. Um, it hasn't been the prettiest four and one. Uh, you know, it's it's still early, but we've pitched relatively well as far as the numbers go. We've thrown too many pitches, which is what a lot of younger guys do. And <laughs> to be honest, what a lot of pitchers in today's game do, they, you know, they're chasing strikeouts. And so um, it's nice to be able to talk to these guys to to try to get them to understand that in the big scheme of things, um, the strikeouts will come if you're a strikeout pitcher uh, and if you, you can't punch them out on the first pitch and we're trying to get into their head, like pitch to contact early in the count. And we want you to go six and seven innings as a starter versus the four and five. And um, it's a long road because you're, you're fighting an uphill battle uh, against the culture of today's baseball. 
but I think most of our guys are understanding it and at least the effort is there to do it, but it's changing what they've been taught for the past four or five years. That's, that's the toughest challenge. What, what, what know, other adjustments you've had to make, you know, whether spring training, educating personnel, things of that nature. Um, you know, you, you have uh, coaching staff sometimes isn't um, real schooled in, in how they do, uh, how affiliated ball is run, the mindset of affiliated ball. So they don't understand um, what exactly the affiliated teams are looking for, uh, where you go through 10 days of spring training here, which is, uh, you know, in regular spring training for minor leagues, it's usually about five weeks. Uh, so you're cut way back into only a, a 10 or 11 day spring training. So all that normal soreness you get halfway through spring training, you're now getting in the first week of the season. So um, it's an adjustment for everybody. It's an adjustment for me. I haven't been here in 10 years, but uh, we're figuring it out. And to be honest, it's nice to get back to baseball. I can sit down with a pitcher and talk pitching and talk his his approach. And I can also sit down and talk with a hitter about his approach. And I can talk to a fielder about different things and affiliated ball. It's that's, you're not allowed to, because you got to stay in your own lane. Like if you're a, if you're a pitching coach, you don't know anything about the rest of the game. If you're a base running coach, you're not allowed to talk to a hitter. Like, and if you talk to a hitter, you have to mark it down in your computer, exactly what was said so that all the coordinators can see what was said. And so everybody can cover their butt and make sure that nobody's stepping on toes and, um, here I can just, Hey, if I think it's better for the guy's career, if I think it's better for the game, um, I'm allowed to talk about it and there's more communication. That's awesome. You know, you know, you, you, you mentioned about throwing a lot of pitches and, you know, uh, just yesterday I saw a kid come in, uh, he's a prospect. He, you know, 94, 95 touches, 96, got some heavy arm side life. He threw two innings. He threw 36 pitches and he threw seven fastballs. And he's got a blow average sweeping curveball that he throws the majority of his pitches. And I've told some people this, I don't know if I shared this with you when we talked the other day, I've written five reports in the last couple of weeks in the minor leagues on guys and I've used the terminology, he shows his fastball. Um, fastball was a pitch that we all pitched off of. There's no value put on fastball command, and I know you and I talked about this with one of your young pitchers that I know about how important it is for him to be able to use his fastball, pitch with his fastball. The fact that you can get weak contact, you know, that – the old saying was the best pitch in baseball is a well-located fastball. The hitter has the least amount of time to react to it. If it's well-located, it's not going to be on the barrel of his swing path. And nobody is teaching that. They're just teaching what the analytics perceive as the out pitch, which is the breaking ball. And it's not a true depth breaking ball. It's usually a wider flat breaking ball that the higher up you go guys hit. So like not to get off on a tangent here, but it's just amazing what I'm seeing. And and I don't think it's good. And then we look at the number of injuries. My gosh, every day it's a new injury all over the game. So it, it, it's really not working. Well, it's not, um, but they can manipulate the numbers to make it work. Uh, and I think that that's, that's the big the big uh, catch here is that no matter how much you argue or talk or try to explain to some of those guys um, what you're seeing and why it won't work, they'll have numbers that will tell you that what they're doing is working. Now, maybe the guy has a, a five ERA and he's got a one-to-one walk to strikeout ratio, but they'll come up with something else with whether it's spin rate or vert or horizontal or whatever it may be that'll, that'll back their story up and say, this is why it is working. He's doing this better and he's doing that better. And I'll go back to the same thing. I'll say like after your third year in the big leagues, are you going to go to the arbitrator and say, yeah, I had a five and a half ERA, but look at my spin rates were up. Like the, at the end of the day, they're not going to pay you for your numbers on a computer. They're going to pay you for getting people out. Um, and we've lost that value in baseball and 
I'm, I'm old school in my thoughts, but for me, old school is whatever works. Right. Um, You know, I don't care if guys catch from one knee, but catch from one knee, as long as you can block and throw, if you're just doing it to receive, then it's not doing us any good. So if you're a one knee guy that can do that, well then all means do it. Just don't do a system based thing where everybody has to do the same because we're all different. And I think we're losing players um, that aren't getting the same opportunities because they don't fit a particular set of parameters that, Hey, this guy is one of our guys. Instead of just saying, Hey, let's, this guy got drafted for a reason. Let's work within what he has and work with that and make him the best he can be with what he has. But we try to cookie cutter everything and everybody's got to do the same and the same routine and the same workout. And it just, you're losing players. Well, that was uh, a bizarre interaction. A friend of mine that pitched in the big leagues for a long time, uh, we were in scouting the same two teams, and they brought their director of analytic pitching in, and um, he said, my gosh, he goes, "We're does everybody have to throw a three-and-two breaking ball? And he says, well, they're going to have to if they're in the big leagues. And he's going, why? You can't get somebody out with a well-located fastball in three and two. Why? You, you know why? Why have you made it actually extremely predictable now, where somebody's either trying to strike them out or they walk them? Like if you have an undisciplined hitter, he chases the pitch and they get a strikeout. But in most cases, as you go up, they just take it because it's a ball out of the hand. Right. It's and, not a it's not a competitive miss. Yeah, and 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 you sit there and you go if if that's the mindset and that's the mindset you're teaching your guys, we're going to continue to see and 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 you know we're going to continue to see poor pitching, uh, too many walks, too many pitches thrown, and in the long run, too many injuries because trying to manipulate the ball and have the break that they're trying to do and, and mark who's on here all the time always had a good term term for it you know he's cranking his breaking ball he's going to end up getting hurt you know you know you you, you can't just crank a, a sweeping breaking ball and twist your arm and throw it hard without doing some damage in your elbow so yeah i i'm i'm with you and and you know the the rub here is so the analytics side of the on offense is you know it's it's basically predicated on the pitcher making a mistake so when they talk about analytics and they talk about each guy finding his hot zone against that pitcher each day the guys are supposed to you know they go on this graph and they they color in where they're going to look for the ball against that particular pitcher and that's where they want to swing against that particular pitcher and if the ball is not in that zone then you don't swing so I, I understand, um, you know, looking for, you know, finding trends and, and trying to do all the numbers and giving yourself the best chance. But you're counting on a pitcher making a mistake all the time. And you're willing to say, hey, if it's Greg Maddox, if it's Scherzer, if it's one of the elite who don't make a whole lot of mistakes, you're basically throwing your hands up and saying, hey, he's going to throw three down and away, then good for you. I take all three. I go back to the dugout and I'm fine with that because it wasn't in my zone. So yet, yet on the other side of the pitching side, you're teaching just throw it as hard as you can, spin it as fast, as hard as you can, rip everything off and not try to make a pitch. So on the offensive side, they're only looking for one pitch in one zone. Yet why wouldn't the pitchers then say, you know what? I'm just going to throw the ball down and away until he does something different. Right. Oh, but, no. but they, but that's where they manipulate both sides. Like you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. If you're going to say offensively, this is what we do and pitching. This is what we do. It doesn't gel. No, we, uh, when, when I'm in a meeting with uh, analytic people, sometimes I feel like I'm in a meeting with lawyers who can manipulate facts. However, they want to manipulate them. Um, it's a sh- it's a shame, well, because it, it's like it's it sh- they should work together. They're, they're smart people, and the numbers mean something, and it will give you an edge if used in the right way, and it will help you 
understand trends and what a pitcher likes to do in certain situations. I mean, all that is helpful, but it, it can't be the end all be all. And we've turned into the Democrats versus the Republicans here. You have yeah, old yeah. school on one side and you have, you know, the analytics people on the other side and they're both so set in everything they're doing that they won't come together and just communicate. And so when you don't have the communication, when you have all these different, you know, parts of your organization, you have the exercise science and you have, you know, the, 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 the mental skills coaches, and then you have the pitching and the base running separate than the, than the hitting and, and nobody gets together and talks and communicates, then you're going to have, Hey, I'm the hitting guy and my guy's swinging good. And, we don't care about the base running and the base running guy. Hey, we're getting our stolen bases. So I don't care about the rest of the stuff. And it just, you lose the complete player and you're just looking for a guy that puts up numbers for no reason. I want to, I want to get your guys' opinions on this because both you played at a very high level and will, you know, I've got a you know background in college coaching and yeah. professional playing, but also I have a, and I did this in Jess, Chris, I'll share the story with you off the air, but I went back to school and got my Ivy league degree in analytics so I could battle with these guys. Um, but I taught myself that stuff and we were calling it something different way back when it was called statistics. But um, I got a guy on the phone uh, yesterday with StatCast and he asked me not to use his name on the air, so I won't. But I asked him a question. He wanted to be on the show. And I said, I'll, I'll let you be on the show if you can answer this question for me. I said, you're very learned. You, you've obviously went to school. You've done your work. You're very intelligent with the books. But if you've studied learning, when you are in an intense competition like baseball, boxing, football, that intensity cannot be interrupted. When it's interrupted, you risk losing intuition, creativity, and genius. And what I impressed upon him was that you've got to separate the intense competition from the deep learning. The deep learning goes in the off season when you can take those numbers and you can develop your game. When you do it in between at bats, excessively in between at bats or in between pitches or guys flipping wristbands, you're taking all that intuition and you're throwing it in the garbage. So now you're dealing with dividends or stocks. And like you said, Chris, Players can't be split up into parts. They're not parts. They're whole humans. So I kind of bring that back to you guys. You both competed at a very high level. You both coach at a high level. You both, uh, you know, you're you scout at a high level. The intensity of competition cannot be interrupted. Would you Would you agree or disagree with that? Agree. Yeah. Agree. And talk, talk about that. I mean, talk about. Well, I, 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 I want to throw something that I think comes into this to both of you guys who were position player hitters and, um, and, and, and we talked about how a lot of the younger players are very into the analytics and, but I see more guys take two strike fastballs right down the middle of the plate for strike three, because they've lost to see the ball, hit the ball, um, they've lost, I'm going to cut my swing down and put this ball in play with two strikes. And that's all of the false assurance they get from the analytic numbers that they just let a fat fastball go right down the middle that I think both of you guys, when you played, would have jumped on and, and hit a line drive really hard somewhere. Do you guys like see, see, see that? and see the lack of just reactionary to the game because of the game being scripted now. Chris, you take well, this one first. Well, I, I guess I have a, a couple. I, I see what they're trying to do. But again, I, I go back to the cookie cutter. So, you know, a guy cutting the swing down with two strikes and most guys who play the game should put the ball in play, make them you know, field a ground ball, throw it the first guy at first base, got to catch it. It's still a game of hitting the ball, catching the ball, throwing the ball. I mean, it's a pretty simple game and we've made it very, very complicated. So if you take Aaron judge and there's, and there's nobody on base and you know, it's middle of the game or whatever, do you want Aaron judge just trying to put it in play with two outs? Or do you want Aaron judge trying to hit an extra base hit or a home run because there's two outs and nobody on the answer would be, you want him to still try to drive the ball. And if he takes a strike out there, it's not a big deal. Now, Aaron Judge gets up in the eighth inning, seventh inning, and for some reason they have the infield back with a man on third. Aaron Judge should put the ball in play. And that's my opinion. Like, because it goes to the, you know, the situation of the game and 
and changing and players having no instincts now that being the pre-scripted you talk about and you know hey this is what you do in this situation well no you do things in different situations and then you change the game as, as the game calls for and i think that that with all of the numbers and and kind of making them robots is lost they they look at the wristband and they pull the card out of their pocket and so there's no thought process to go on in the game and the only thing i can equate it to is when i go driving somewhere i'm terrible with directions and somebody will ask me how you get somewhere and i've been there a hundred times and i can't tell them exact roads and stuff how to get there because i always just put it on my gps and go where 25 years ago when my dad made me keep the road atlas in my car i knew exactly where to go and how to get there but I, I i don't do that i don't practice that thought and so if my gps were to go out i'd be totally lost well that's where kind of these guys are like when the game situation changes they don't know how to change with with the game because they don't have the instincts for the game anymore and i say they i'm generalizing there are guys that still do yeah. There are plenty of guys out there, but what we're losing is the guy that can go out there and change on the fly, the pitcher who doesn't have his curveball that day or doesn't have his fastball or whatever it may be, being able to go against the book a little bit and being able to change because he's just taught, listen, in situation A, this is what we do. In situation B, this is what we do. And then if those things change, God forbid, like we don't know how to handle ourselves because there's no baseball instincts anymore. Yeah. How is this communication? I'm sure you're sharing this stuff with your players too in their development. Has there been an adjustment for them with, I mean, getting a refreshing look at the game from somebody like yourself? What's been that communication like? I'll tell you what. It's what's been neat is even the guys that have were just fresh out of affiliated ball last year. Um, they've expressed to me already how it's so much more relaxing and easier to play here. Uh, obviously, they want to get back to affiliated ball. They want to get to the big leagues. That's the ultimate goal, but not having to follow this strict set of quote unquote rules that they have to follow and the routines that they have to do. And you play catch this much and you throw this much and you do like everything being set here, being able to, what I call just be an athlete, you know, you go out on the mound and, and something's happening and, you know, stop thinking about mechanics and stop thinking about analytics and stop thinking about, and just be an athlete. Like, where's my best pitch? My best pitch is down and away. I can just, you know what? That's what I'm going to use. I'm going to make them beat me today on my best pitch. I don't care if that's their strength or not. And they're not going to have a bunch of people second guessing them after the game saying, you shouldn't have thrown this pitch here and you shouldn't have thrown that pitch there. It's more of a communication with me and them saying, hey, in this situation in the fourth inning, you know, why did you throw this pitch? Well, I was thinking this, I was thinking this, and then we have a conversation. At the end of it, I might say, you know what? That's not a bad way to go. I would have done this, and this is my reason for this, but I understand that you had a plan and you tried to execute it, maybe just made a bad pitch, but it's it's more baseball to me. It's more letting the guys be themselves within a set of, you know, certain kind of boundaries, but they can be themselves and hopefully excel as much as their their skills will let them. Yeah, I think that tool is invaluable. You're teaching them, yeah. you're, you're talking the talk and walking the walk. You're teaching them how to communicate because they have to learn how to communicate. It's a, it's my least favorite word in coaching where coaches play. Players don't communicate. Well, it's, it's a learned skill, especially nowadays when kids right. are cell phones and iPads and analytics. So you know, I commend you in that. Well, what, what kind of players are you getting there right now? I know there's a wide range of players that play independently baseball. You get the lifers that are, you know, the latter half, the you know, late 20s, and then you get the the newbies who got overlooked, what, what kind of blend are you trying to put together? I'm trying to put a blend together of, of guys that just got let go. Um, that basically the analytics numbers, um, they didn't fit. I've got a guy on my team right now that, you know, last year, I think he had a five ERA and double a, but the year before he had a three, um, he's always been a strike thrower. He's a guy that goes after people, but he's a three quarter guy. Um, and the numbers got him. You know, he, he wasn't a 94, 95 guy. Um, and so this is a place for him to just try to put up as good a numbers. And hopefully there's a team out there that still values what he has. Um, and then I also have the college guys that got overlooked a little bit that might be 91, 92, but they have pitch ability. They can get people out. They've got guts. They're not scared. And I'm hoping that somebody will see that and, and value what they have for a team because, 
those guys are still needed. They're, they're staff savers. Um, we always had those type of guys that could throw strikes and could make a spot start. And you could throw them three days a week and they throw any time you want. And those guys are gone in baseball. You don't have those guys that'll save a bullpen that'll make that five inning spot start out of, out of no, no, having no uh, time to get ready for it, but are ready to do anything. So they're the type of guys that I have. And they're the type of guys that I want to continue to bring in here that just other people don't don't want or they haven't gotten the opportunity because I think there's a place for them. Yeah. I think that's great, especially with the reduction of the draft and the reduction of minor league baseball. Kind of laugh. We're, we're, you know, we're bang on baseball a bit on the show. There's tons of positives with it, but I've never seen a business model where you reduce the funnel at the beginning like baseball has, you know, where yeah, we, usually you want a bigger entry point. But um how have the young ones adapted early? You got the cold weather up there. I'm sure it's been uh, it's been frigid up there at night. What, what kind of attendance are you getting? What's what's the the weather been? What's kind of the ambiance around the game been like? Uh, we're making a lot of changes up here. We're you know new GM, um, new new manager here for the first time in the league. So there's been a lot of changes. I think our younger guys are doing a great job. Uh, I think that the the couple of older, I won't say older, they're in their their mid twenties. But the guys that have been in double A before, I think that they've really uh, taken taken a leadership role in trying to uh, talk to these some of our younger guys about professional baseball. I think we have a great locker room here. Um, you can see the blend going in because it's back to just being baseball. Um, hey, what did you think about this? Hey, what did you think about that pitch you threw there? What did you think about that hitter? Like it's almost a little bit of old school uh locker room to where they they talk baseball they're not talking numbers because i don't even give them all of the information that even we can get here um, we have the yacker tech system here which is uh, a little bit different than some of the systems in affiliated ball but it still gives them all those numbers but you don't that's not the first thing guys talk about they're not coming off the field what were my numbers what was my vert what you know what did i top out at they're, they talk about baseball like making a pitch and what did you see on that guy? And is that guy cheating? You think that guy was guessing and like, it's really, it's really refreshing. And I think it's even refreshing for the affiliated guys that are here um, that came from affiliated ball last year, because they can, they, they don't feel the pressure of just putting up raw data that now they can go out and just like, I just want to get people out. Yeah. You know, uh, I, oh, go ahead, Dave. Oh, well, go ahead. Go. No, I was just going to say I'm I'm watching one of the Phillies affiliates and spent time with Charlie Manuel, who's a longtime friend of mine who's been around the game and probably over 55 years. He's played in our major leagues. He's played in Japan. He's been a tremendous hitting coach and manager, won a World Series. And, you know, just – lamenting he said you know will how many guys do you see a year i said you know six seven hundred guys a year writing professional reports on he goes the guys that have any baseball iq and instincts you know what do you see i go my gosh they jump out at you like a sore thumb or whatever whatever you want to say the old analogy but so many guys have tools, but they don't know how to play. They don't know how to pitch. They don't. They don't know how to run the bases. Um, and 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 we're not teaching enough. You know, we've we've gone down a road where young kids are training physicality only, whereas we all grew up just playing the game and learning how to play the game. And our physicality came through playing other sports and athleticism. Um, but we we figured out how to play, how to pitch, how to run the bases, how to, you know, how to be a better defender. And you just don't see that. You see the skills, but you don't see the feel for the game. Which it's... is which is really hard for us older guys to see the physicality and go, my gosh, if these guys knew how to play, the game would be in an unbelievable place. They're physically better. They're stronger. They're better fed. They have a better, uh, you know, routine with as far as their workouts. And, and, and we still find that we have more injuries 
Yeah. Um, less guys playing more games. Um, you don't see anybody play, you know, all 162 anymore. And, and it's not because of injuries there, you know, you have the, the load management and, um, oh yeah, you have so many other things. Well, you know, it used to be you trained whatever you needed to train them on the side to make sure that they were a hundred percent in the game. And it's actually turned into giving them time off in the game but making sure that they still do all the other stuff off the field. Like I, I, I thought it, it should have been, Hey, let's cut down our extra stuff so we can still go play the game. But now it's the opposite. It's still lift. It's still arm care. It's still, you know, all these other things you're going to do. And instead of cutting some of that down so that they can still go play as many games as they can. Now they'll say, Hey, you know, you get these reports where this guy's at higher risk of injury because his, his, jump on the jump plates is explosive jumping was, you know, 18% lower. And you have these other numbers where he's not doing, and you're going, wait a minute. So how about we cut down some of the jumps and some of the lifting to make sure that they can be on the field, but we're actually taking them off of the field and still doing the stuff. We're still doing the extras on the side, as opposed to just letting them play. Uh, it just, it's kind of backwards to me, oh, um, but again, yeah. That's old school, I guess. No, you know, to me, when you just go through the motions on the field two or three days a week, you know, Chris, when you and I played, we took BP every day. Mm -hmm. Guys took ground balls every day. The catchers came out work. You did team fundamentals every homestand, two or three. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't do any of that. They don't do anything full speed. You know, the older scouts that I hang around and hung around for years, they go, you know, why would you take 50 ground balls half speed when in the game, the game is not, the ball doesn't come off the bat half speed ever. It comes off the bat full speed. You need to practice at the speed of the game, and they don't. And then when the speed of the game happens and you've never run the bases hard, you haven't run a hard sprint, but you all of a sudden sniff a base hit, you pull a hamstring. Mm-hmm. And we have more injuries trying to protect our guys from just letting them go out on the field and do what they truly need to do every day. They, they have off one day a week. I haven't right. had a guy play all six games yet. Right. They basically play five days a week. That's it. And, and yeah, you still get the reports. Yep. Three days a week. Mm-hmm. Pitchers don't run anymore. You know, I, it, it's it, it's beyond me. That's all I can say. Again, like the, there's no there's no way to to wrap it all up and to keep everybody working at the same. in in the same direction for the same cause, because everybody's kind of protecting their own fiefdom. You know, they, you have, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm exercise science. So I got to make sure that all this looks good. And then I hand in my reports and Hey, everything's great. And then the base running guy does his thing. And then the hitting guy does his thing. And the the catching guy and the pitching guy and the, and the, the mental health skills and, and, you have all these things and analytics. Well, everybody says everything's great. You know, Hey, our guys are doing good here and our guys are doing good here. And when they're with me, they're doing great. And so all these reports look great. And at the end you're going, wait a minute, we're 10 games below 500. We have a five and a half ERA. Uh, we're, our team's batting 220. We're striking out 10 times a game. So, and I, but then when you speak up, which I did and I got in trouble for it, I said, wait a minute, like, we're not running the bases good. We have a lot of stolen bases, but our guys are stealing third with two outs when it doesn't mean anything. Like, so at the end of the year, you have these numbers and they look great, but they didn't do anything to help our team win. And the base stealer didn't learn anything about when to steal a base or how to steal a base when your team needs it. And then that's the part that's lost because you get the end of the year and you look at the numbers. Oh, that's great. Look at this and look at this. Well, yeah, but, all those things don't help your team win no. because you didn't do them at the right time in the game or in the right situation of the game. And then when the game is on the line, you don't know how to do those things because you were just up in your numbers. It's the reverse yeah. scientific method. They got their hypothesis and they're just putting the numbers. I call that weapons of math destruction. 
right there, <laughs> pushing, the, pushing the numbers to, to prove their point. Um, you know, you're describing, and, and I, again, I hate to bring up this poor anonymous guy. I'm going to get him on the show so, so I can go head to head with him. But um, I challenged him on that too. They're, they're constantly preaching diversity with all these different components of baseball that you're talking about, these 15 different coaches all protecting their fiefdom. And I said, you're preaching diversity, but you realize you're making things more homogeneous. That, and I, I posed those two questions. He has yet to answer them. So I said, when he can answer those two, the one I posed to you guy, he can come on the show. But um, how are you running your show there now? Are you, are, you, uh, are you getting the guys out there doing, you know, skill work, uh, BP, infield? Are you able to do that? Or, I mean, right now, weather is probably not permitting, but is that your plan as well? Yeah, uh, we do it. Um, we'll go out and we have cage time. Um, regular stuff. They'll go in with the hitting coach. Sometimes I go in, sometimes I don't because I'm handling the pitching here. Um, I'll go out with the pitchers. They'll play catch and um, then we'll have our guys doing their sides. I have conversations with them about, you know, the, either their last outing or what they think or what they're working on. Uh, they'll ask me questions about certain things. Uh, and then we'll go out and we take uh, the outfielders or throw a couple days a week to the bases um, just to keep their arms strengthened and, 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 we, it's not done a whole lot where the outfielders actually throw the bases anymore. So we'll do that a couple times a week. And we take mass ground balls every day, except for day games, um, to where each guy is probably getting 30 or 40 ground balls, uh, turning double plays. We'll have catchers throw twice a week to the bases uh, to get a good feel for that. And then we take a batting practice. Um, and then we go play a game. So it's the same thing that that is an affiliate as affiliated ball, except we – it is a little bit more old school to where we're not worrying about so much the the numbers stuff uh, as opposed to getting our work done mm. and trying to work with guys individually to see what they need to make them better. And they get a say in that because I've always said it's their career. You know, if they want to come out and work extra, I'm here every day. Um, but I'm not going to chase them down and make them do the work. Like it's their professionals here. If If they want the work, come to me. We'll give them as much as they want. Uh, if not your career, uh, and if they choose not to do it and they're not successful here, they're not putting up the numbers and then we'll bring in somebody else that, that is willing to put in that work and to put up the numbers and do that kind of thing. So, uh, it's kind of like turn, turn back the clock here, I guess you'd say. Yeah. I like that. And, you know, guys would be crazy not to, and I know our audience, we had John last time, but just as a reminder, we're talking to a high draft pick, third round draft pick by the Mariners back in 92, a decade in Major League Baseball as a catcher, a decade in the minors as as a coach and a manager. And you also spent a short stint in independent ball as a player, uh, in addition to a coach, but in the middle of your career. Um, talk talk to that a little bit. How does that ex- short experience, and you got back up with the White Sox, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, on the jump. But um, talk about that short stint. How has that helped you communicate and understand where these guys are at in their career? Uh, it helped me appreciate the game more. Um, it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because when I got back with the White Sox in 05 after playing 04 in the Atlantic League with Camden, um, I appreciated the game more. Uh, and I didn't put as much pressure on myself to get the hit every time, to make sure I threw everybody out. To you know, It, it just made me appreciate what I was doing. I could actually appreciate... The journey I was on, as they say, and I'm not a big philosophical guy, but I didn't enjoy the moment as much as I should before that. So I missed a year of playing for arm problems before. And then I went to Camden and Wayne Krenchicki, uh, who was the manager there, gave me a chance um, just to come in and be a half hour from home and enjoy playing baseball again. And it was back to baseball. I could help younger guys that hadn't had the experience I had had, but I could go out and play uh, without the pressure of you have to do this every day and you have to do this. And it was just baseball. Um, and it was enjoyable. It was, I went back with no five with the white Sox, and yeah, we won, we won a world series. And, and that was like the icing on the cake for me. But that year in Camden playing that half a year was, uh, it, it kind of reshifted my focus on what baseball was supposed to be. Um, and I enjoyed it more. And I got two more years in the big leagues out of it. And, uh, besides a couple of the injuries I had, it was, uh, probably the most enjoyable time of my baseball career. You, you, you shared a story with me off the air about, uh, recently a catcher, kind of an unconventional way to sign a catcher, but something you saw on a guy. Could you, could you share that, uh, story about your, your catcher you just pulled off the, 
pulled off the street, so to speak? Yeah, he um he just he was just finishing up his college career at Bloom Bloomberg Bloomfield. Uh, it's a smaller college up, uh, I think it's in Pennsylvania. Um, but my my assistant coach brought uh, brought him in, said, "Hey, I think he can help us out. He he can be a bullpen catcher for us. He's local. He's only thirty five minutes away is where he lives. Um, let's bring him in, and take a look." I said, "That sounds great." Uh, we brought him in, and I just saw the way he caught. He's not a one-knee guy, and I'm not even going to get into that because um, I am old school with that, but there are one-knee guys that can catch and do the job. He was a conventional catcher, um, could throw pretty good, uh, great mindset. You talk to him, he's a respectful kid. Or he's not a kid, he's 22. But um, And it, was just, it just seemed like a good fit to me. He's a baseball guy, and so – he came in just to do that workout. I brought him in the office. I said, what would you say if I said I wanted to sign you possibly tomorrow and uh, sign a professional contract? He's, he looked at me kind of like deer in the headlights because he wasn't expecting that. And I said, I just like the way you do things. He was sitting here in my office. Uh, I said, but let me think about it. Uh, you think about it. And he went out there and he had lunch with the guys out in the locker room and uh, called him back in. I had released another catcher. Uh, came in. I said, hey, we leave tomorrow. Would you be willing to sign a contract and go to Joliet, uh, Illinois with us tomorrow? And he said, oh, man, like I need to call my parents first because I'm not sure. He came back in and five minutes later. He said, yeah, this is what I want to do. And I said, okay. So um, signed him and uh, he went on a trip with us and he played on Sunday. Um, and a matter of fact, he called Cole Davis, one of Will's guys that I had brought in from Delaware. Did a nice job, too. He did. And, uh, you know, he's still got things to work on, but he got the win. Um, excited. He, and then yesterday was an 11 o'clock game after a night game. And so he caught uh, Mark Moclair. Mark Moclair's got pretty good stuff. He was in double A ball last year. And, uh, you know, it was one of those tough games for Mark. He, he threw some pitches, but this kid handled it well. Ends up getting his first hit, doubled down the left field line, uh, threw out a runner at second. Um, we were down one to nothing. They had a leadoff guy on second base, and he tried to steal third. He threw him out in the eighth inning. We end up scoring two runs, and we win the game two to one. So really happy for him. Um, you know, his he, his name's Elvis Lopez, and, I mean, he's a good teammate. He fits in, and it's one of those stories that we can tell here in independent ball where that it just doesn't happen uh, in, in affiliated ball. So it's one of the cool things about being here. That's a great story. Catcher to catcher. I like that. Yep. Well, awesome. Chris, we've kept you up for about almost 45 minutes. Well, what, what, what kind of final questions we have for Chris? Uh, you know, I, uh, I had one for both of you guys. Uh, Everybody I ever played with from when I played and back when I coached never liked hitting off of the pitching machine. And I don't see hardly any teams throw batting practice anymore. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I watch they hit off high velocity. The kids actually struggle. To me, the ball's always in the same place, so that I, I think it creates groove swings, but it doesn't prepare you for the timing of tracking an arm and tracking the ball coming at the angle of an arm versus a ball just coming out of a hole. Uh, any thoughts on that for you guys? Chris, you want to take that first? Sure. Um, I've gone round and round with analytics guys and hitting guys both about this and the way it was explained to me using the machine on the high legs on the field was to try to simulate the release point of a pitcher and also to show the velo on the field uh, as well as uh, they want you to be challenged and ramped up leading up to the game as opposed to doing it in a cage. So my argument was, Machine work and all that stuff should be in the cage. Yes, the, the the velo helps. Like you see that out of out of the machine, you've got to get your hands moving. You've got you've you know it, it's challenging. And but my argument to them was when we go on the field as players, we want to feel good going into the game. We want to 
see that pitcher, you know, the coach pitch arm. We want to be able to manipulate the ball if we have to. If we want to work on hitting the ball to right center, we want to work on hitting the ball to left center, whatever it may be. You can't do it off a machine because you're stinking surviving. Like the thing's throwing from 48 feet and it's throwing it, you know, 75, 80 miles an hour, simulating 93, 94. Like you're getting beat up. Oh, yeah. And my second argument to him was, you know, you want to ramp it up to to pregame and you want them to be challenged right before the game. So you're going right into the game and you've seen the velo. Well, even when you're on the road and you're taking BP on the field, if you're in group one and you have a seven o'clock game, you're hitting at 515. So you're going to take your BP, you're going to go shag a little bit, you're going to go in, you're going to have a sandwich, you're going to get ready for the game, and then you're going to go out for the game, and your first at bat's going to be an hour and a half to two hours after you got challenged, quote-unquote, right before the game. So your body doesn't – you're not remembering that machine versus the guy pitching in the game. Like So the whole argument to me for that just doesn't make any sense because the timing doesn't line up. And so we talked to them about that, and – of course, we didn't get anything resolved over it, but I like the machine at times. I didn't like hitting off the machine, but let me do it in a cage. Let me do it where the extra work is done in the cage. And when we go on the field, that's my feel good, feel confident going into the game kind of feel that I want. Let me see some coaches pitch. If I if I want to go out and, and try to drive the ball 450 feet a couple times to feel good, well, then I want to be able to do that. I don't want to survive and, and have my hands hurting after I get done hitting off the machine. You know, uh, but, you know, baseball is such a copycat game. And I think the first time I heard about this, Hensley Mullins did it with the Giants late in the year because their hitters were, you know, wearing down a little bit. They were tired. But to get them ready for the playoffs, he did it in the cage simulating that 95 mile per hour fastball because they were going to go face staffs where guys were throwing 95 and, but it was in the cage. I, you know, like I'll see these kids hit for, you know, an hour on the field and it's, it's actually demeaning from a confidence standpoint. Some of them can't hit the ball out of the cage. Got that right. And then they just start cheating so much that they become so vulnerable within their swing and their approach, they have no chance to hit during the game. They're flying. They're they're flying uh, as opposed to staying in control. You know, like the old theory. You know, I, I remember reading Barry Larkin used to use a 30, 38 inch, thirty eight ounce bat, and all he wanted to do was just get inside the ball and drop the head and keep it in the zone and do it under control. Because he couldn't swing it out of control. Now you have light bats, high velocity swing out of control. You're you're not a good hitter when you're out of control is the bottom line. I I, I agree with both you guys on that. I I hate the machine today. I was not a power guy, so it didn't matter if I was standing on second base. I wasn't driving it to the wall in any machine action. But um, it threw my timing off. I hated it, and I would get right back in the cage if they ever made me do it, so I could see an arm. But when they got when I got forced to do it, I was a switch batter. I made sure I spread out, and I just treated it like two strike hitting. I spread out, and I looked to just move the ball the other way till I got through it. Um, but I found it counterproductive. Now, one of my sons is good at it. He let, he he can work well off the machine. My younger son hates it, can't stand it, and I have to get him as soon as he's done with machine work if his coaches do it into the cage so he can see an arm action because it's a I don't know. I feel like hitting is like you guys talk about pitching. Well, it's, it's balance, rhythm, and timing. And, you know, it's the same thing. And I felt it threw off all three of those things for me. Well, Dave, Dave maybe you can help help explain to me the their whole argument about ramping up to the game and being challenged before the game when you're going to have an hour and a half, or if you're the home team, you might have two, two and a half hours between that supposed ramping it up and challenging you until you're facing the guy in the game. I mean, Maybe you can make me understand how that's a thing. I can't. I, I, I agree with you totally on it. I, I don't like the machine before a game. I don't like it during practice. I, I was a guy who was opposed to it as a player, and I, I never used it as a coach. Um, 
I just felt it was lazy. Get out there. Just like fungos, just get out there and hit the ball. The kids need to see it off the bat. They need to see the top spin on it. Um, you know, they don't need to see a thing coming off the pitching. Same with catchers. I understand with catchers too. It's sometimes you get them reps, but uh, to build up the hands, but I think anything live is the best way to go. So how I would battle those guys with analytics, I would give them a bat. I would stick them in the, against the machine. I would tell them to hit and to see how they, they would <laughs> you tell me how that feels against your hands, you know, 60, 70 times when you're about to play a game. It's like it, it beats you up unnecessarily. And then while they're hitting in the game, start yelling numbers at them and see how they like trying to do something uh, physical while they're processing something intellectual. It's, it's a, uh, yeah, so I can't, I can't make it make, usually I'm really good at empathy where I could share the other side. I think that's one of my strengths, but in this regard, I cannot, I mean, I, I battled with these guys a number of times, both professionally and, and, and personally. So yeah, I, I can't help you on that one, Chris. I'll think about it, but God, I, I agree with you totally. So I apologize for not being able to give you the, the counter counterbalance to that. No, that's okay. Like I said, I'm old school, but old school for me in my mind is, is, whatever helps each player play better. And if he's a big numbers guy who needs more numbers to do well, well then you know what, let's give it to him. But if he's a guy that can't handle it, or if he's a guy that shouldn't have it, that overthinks too much and all that, then let's take it away from him. And I know you're getting close to the end of the show here, but I wanted to share um, conversations I had last year and his name is Drew Epperson. And Drew is, was our, he was a, video intern for us. Drew's dad is the double uh, um, A or he was the double A manager uh, with Boston. And so he's grown up around the game. Um, Drew wasn't a player, um, but he has almost like an old school mentality, but he has all the numbers. Like he, he's really, really smart. And we would have every night, it would be our analytics talk. And he would try to make me understand uh, certain things about analytics and where it would go. And with him growing up with the game, with his dad being around the game for, for 30 years, like he understood the baseball part of it. We need more guys like him in positions of the analytics to that have like a baseball background. I mean, he grew up and lived it. He, he grew up in the locker rooms with, with the Boston guys and in the big leagues when his dad would go up there. And so he understands that part. Um, but there's not enough guys like that that can help the, quote, you know, old school guys understand what the numbers are and why they can be important and also integrate that into talking to the analytics people and like, listen, you have to understand that all these numbers that you're firing out there, real world doesn't work to just do the numbers. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing in baseball is to get those people that can be the bridge between the two. Yeah. yeah. Now I understand yeah. your question more with the machine. Now that's, that's basically been my role in, in, uh, in my post coaching career. As I, I, I kind of, I, I joke, I will knows the story, but I went back to get my advanced degree in analytics as kind of a joke because I knew the language. I could understand that I taught myself, but the analytics people, could not possibly fathom that a longtime coach and a former professional player could possibly teach themselves because there was not a half a million dollar price tag on, you know, the degree. So I went back, got it. Ivy League, just like them, I carry it in my back pocket. So anytime I get brought in to consult and, and just what you're, you're talking about, translating the analytics to the, the, the sports people and sports back to analytics, I put, we, that um, right, put it right on the table. Say, there you go. I got my degree. The only difference is I didn't pay for it out of a trust fund. I'll share. Uh, I'll share. <laughs> Good story with uh, trying to blend our analytics with our our pro scouting department. Our former pro scouting director uh, used to bring us all out to the Arizona Fall League to cover it. And um, we have an older group, a bunch of guys like myself who spent their life in the game. And he brought out every year, he would bring out our analytic people to come watch games with us. And ask us questions and at the end of the night we would you know maybe all go have dinner go back to a room uh where maybe have a couple beers and uh just talk baseball and uh you know we started to blend a, a good group of people together now a bunch of those guys ended up leaving our organization unfortunately but, you know, they would ask good questions and they would make me think about things and realize where there was some value. And, you know, uh, 
and and you know you had a couple beers in and they were funny and you know the one kid the one night i was talking about certain things and he goes dude you should be the manager of the Rockies. And I'm going, no, 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 no. I, I have no desire to be the manager. But we need to bring some of the common sense. That he goes, yeah, that stuff makes sense, dude. But that was a good thing. And I don't know people that are doing that, but that's a quality thing to do is to put everybody in the same room. Let you, you know, let your things down you know chris how many times you know growing up you know we used to have beer in the clubhouse i learned more about the game after the game in the clubhouse having a couple beers with people who've been around the game well my my first year my first game i got called up from tacoma i sat there and watched the game um my locker was right on the edge going into the shower norm charlton's uh locker was right next to mine uh, went through the game. I got my shower. I ate my food. I went to leave. And Norm said, where are you going? And I said, um, going back to my hotel. He said, no, you're not. Sit down. And uh, and he didn't say it in a mean way. It was just, no, you're not going. And I uh, said, we're going to sit here and talk a little baseball. He said, we don't have to talk about our game. We, sometimes we talk about other games. But this is, this is where you learn baseball. And he said, and he had a bottle of tequila there in his locker. <laughs> And I looked at him. I said, I don't drink tequila. <laughs> and he said, he said, you don't even have to drink. He said, but you're going to sit here each game and you're going to hang out for about a half hour and you're going to talk baseball. And so that leads into there's no communication anymore. So last year, all my talks with Drew were afterwards. And some of the other coaches got tired of hearing us uh, talk about analytics versus, you know, old school baseball. But we disagreed a lot and we argued but he was allowed to argue his point. He listened to my point. And at the end of the day, we made each other understand a little bit. And it was it was great. I had my Tito's and water. Um, he sat there once in a while, would have a drink, and we'd sit there in my office. And sometimes we, we didn't leave until 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's the thing you do all the time. But the whole point is it was communication between the two. And at the end of the day, we disagreed on a lot of things. But we also found common ground on a lot of things. And I think if that was done more with all facets of baseball, we'd be a hell of a lot better off. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's that's exactly what has to happen. Your style, Chris, and I know there's probably times it's been frustrating, but exactly what you're doing right now is is the way that this. I guess we we bridge the gap, uh, and so I would encourage you keep doing what you're doing. I guarantee you're influencing those 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 young men down there, and your style's refreshing. Although sometimes it probably feels like you're banging your head against the wall you got to keep doing what you're doing and encourage others to do that because that's how we're going to get the game back without a question, because there are, there are young guys like drew out there that I've encountered too. And being disagreeing is, is great. That's how problems get solved, but just communicating. And that seems to be your style with everything communication. So just keep doing what you're doing, man. I well, think- thank you very much. Um, uh, we're all trying, um, but we all have to be a little bit better at compromise too, to understand the other sides. And then I think we'll be a lot better off. Yeah. I think, uh, egos or or for people that are doing what we do chris or is is the worst thing for the analytic department to have their egos for the player development the scouting then you become very tribal and you let your ego getting get in the way of doing the right thing and realizing that it is a game that's built around failure and it's okay to fail and it's okay to learn it's okay for me to continually learn at 64 years old every time I go to the ballpark. Yeah, and and even on top of the ego, Will, is, and, and I do too. I've gotten caught up in it where I've been wrong, and luckily I've, I've had some people in positions that would call me out on it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not about being right. It's about helping the players get better because at the end of the day, Everybody wants credit, and I think that's where the ego comes in because their side wants credit, our side wants credit, and at the end of the day, it's not about credit; it's about your team and your organization doing better. It, it, it's about getting it right. I, you know, I, I had the the pleasure of working for David Dombrowski for a long time, and you know, uh, he loved dissent and conversation and to go back and forth. But in the end, you know, one of the things 
he taught me as an evaluator is, hey, when you get a guy wrong and you realize that you've gotten him wrong, get it right. So we have the right report in there. Don't be so stubborn to go, no, he's he's never he's not going to play in the big leagues as he keeps moving up every level. And now he's in the big leagues for 10 years. And I've been around guys who are like that or people who are in player development who don't think a guy's going to get better. And all of a sudden something clicks, you know, that the, that's the player we keep moving along. We can't be, or, or the guy that we thought was a can't miss that is now a miss guy, you know, let's get all the right players to where they need to be and teach them how to play the game the right way. Yep. It's not about the credit. I'll give you guys my two phrases when I sit down to do these, you know, kumbaya meetings with, with the two sides. I ask them right away. I said, do you want to be right or do you want to get it right? I think you just hit on that, Will. If you want to be right, I've got a report for that. It just affirms everything you're saying, and then we can move on. I'll get paid either way. And then the second one, I ask them, do you want information or do you want affirmation? Do you want me to provide you with what you asked me to provide you, even though I disagree? You just want me to affirm what you think you're right on. And uh, those two things usually break the egos down a little bit. Um, and I can call them out on stuff like that. But no, you two guys are refreshing. I mean, continue doing what you're doing. We're going to bring the game back to this open communication. That I love Chris's style with his, his managerial style and the way he's developing players. And, and Will, as I've gotten to know you, uh, I mean, you're, you're of the same mindset. Just want good baseball for people. Well, Chris, how do you want to leave our audience? What, what kind of things do you want our audience to know? How can we support you with your, your new venture with Sussex? Uh, what, what do you want to leave us with? Uh, I, I think it goes back to let, let's just play baseball. Uh, it's the final product we're looking for. It's not um, it's not about people taking credit or trying to, you know, get their own careers to go forward. You see, it seems like today in today's game, people uh, trust the people who can market themselves the best, whether it be on social media or whatever they're doing. Um, and we've gotten away from just real baseball people that want their players to succeed. Uh, and if we, if we look at it that way, you just want the players to succeed, succeed. You don't care if he does it analytic, analytically or old school or whatever it is, but you treat each kid, each player individually and do the best you can for that kid or man. in, in our case in, in professional baseball, but you're there to get him better not to get your own career to go forward. And I think if we did that more, baseball would be better off. We'd have a better product on the field. We wouldn't have to do so many of these time issues with clocks and all that because we'd get back to instead of, hey, look at me and and look how good I am, we'd get back to, hey, let's play a team game. And then at the end, your individual stats are going to be there anyway. Yeah, I like that. Well, you had something you wanted to. Yeah, I, I'll say anybody that's listening and you're close to any independent league, go watch the games. You will truly enjoy the level of effort. Uh, Chris, I think you touched on it earlier, what that did to you just to appreciate the game um, after being in the big leagues and then not being in baseball being able to go play again. And you played for Wayne Krenchicki, who I played with with the Orioles, who was a great guy. And Steve Foucault was your pitching coach, was a good guy. But I, I love go watch, going and watching independent baseball because the kids play hard. There's no sense of entitlement. They're, they're grinding it out, playing the game, trying to get to an organization. And there's a lot of guys playing in the big leagues now that are crossing back over out of the independent league. It's affordable. The baseball is well played and um, it's very well worth going to watch. So if you live in an area where there's independent league baseball, go watch it. It's good. I agree totally. And I, I hope, and we've got a lot of young people listening in the audience, a lot of a lot of parents, uh, grassroots in 72 countries right now. Um, and I'll say this on behalf of me being a, a former player, a former coach, and a dad. I hope that my sons can be around good men like you two and good baseball men like you two are. So keep doing what you're doing. I know I appreciate the baseball world does. In the times where it feels kind of like nobody's listening, at least you know you got an audience of one right here. So, uh, But um, to our you know, to, to our Listeners here, reminder, episode 182, we have Chris Widger here, a decade in Major League Baseball as a catcher, high draft pick, third round by the Mariners, 
World Series champion, over a decade in minor league baseball, now, now managing the Sussex County Miners. Let's make sure we get out and support them as well. Um, and to at 17,800 subscribers, you have more than a listenership of one. Make sure you download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review. We're battling the analytics world in the podcasting industry, just like we have done in baseball. We can keep providing you great content here today. Um, you know, I know I got smarter today, and I, I appreciate that as always. Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher is the way you can stream our, our show. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, I'll answer one question live every day on Facebook, and I'll get back to everybody privately. My daughter just slipped it under the door. We had 711 questions this morning, so I got my afternoon cut out for me today, guys. Uh, 72 countries right now, grassroots, grassroots all the way to MLB front offices. So the MLB front offices that are listening, you got your next skipper on online here today, so get his number. We're trying to just build better baseball IQs and a disclaimer. You know, we don't apologize for stuff. We prepare We prepare you guys to make sure you embrace the uncomfortable truths that are out there in baseball and in life. We're crossing over a little bit because these shows have no time for the comfortable lies that are out there. So, guys, thanks so much for a great show. Our audience is going to benefit from this, and we appreciate both you guys. Enjoyed it, guys. Great job. Thank you.